Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about academia, castles, and we have part two of our interview with Paul Hutchins from Refuge Support Europe. Welcome to The Kindness Project. I'm joined by a girl with a glasses chain and a man that's just wandered off to top up his coffee. We can talk about it behind his back now. He can hear us still, unfortunately. How are you, Charlotte? I'm good, thanks, Russ. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. Nice. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think about what to talk about. What can we talk about on this kindness project episode? Uh, you got any interesting plans? I mean, we know you're going to the Amazon. We talked about that last time. Amazon, yeah. But have you got any other interesting plans going on this I don't week, know. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at somewhere to go this year. I'm, I'm, I was talking previous about the Eden Project. Yes. But, oh, yeah, that's great. I think I might try something more active. Mm. So, I don't know yet. I mean, you know, um, there's a... The Eden Project's in Cornwall, and we went to this town in Cornwall. I don't know why they always linked in my head, where they had all of, like, the King Arthur and the round table imagery, and it was like, this is where King Arthur lived. This oh, is did, where they have a, did they have a sword in the sun? No, I don't think they did. I, oh, sorry. Hello, everybody. I'm back. I've got a coffee. I've had a little oh, chat. So I'm, I'm back in the room. Well, you two are doing such an amazing job. I thought I'd leave you to it. Yeah, Paul, Cornwall is a good place. And I, 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 I want to say Tintagenal Castle. I want to say that, but I'm not sure whether that's the right place. Let me look it up and I'll come back to you. You guys carry on. You were doing a good job. But it had all like this and all of the pubs were named after like King Arthur <laughs> stuff. And there was a King Arthur car park and there was... I, I love a good castle. Um, where I live in Norfolk, we've got Castle Acre, which is like a, like the ruins of a priory that was sacked by Henry VIII when he outlawed all that. And then, oh, Henry VIII is back. We, uh, yeah, we've we got should rename this podcast to the Henry VIII podcast. And then we've got Castle Rising, which was... Erected when they when they had the wars with Wales, uh, Scotland. Sorry, where where different? Yeah, I can be known for me. I can be me mixed up. How far back is this? Well, number one, Wales is west, not south. If you if you, well, why are you pointing out your window? What? It's southwest for us. Right. Northwest right. for us. Right. Okay. Okay. Don't point out your window because I don't even know what direction that is, Russ. Right. Southwest. Have you got a southern facing window? Those are special. That, that. What, what one's that way? Where else in Scotland? Damn that Google Maps. I can't. I, I mean, Russ, Russ, sorry. How far back did this event happen? Google not me. How far back did this event happen? What, when Norfolk invaded Wales last Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> when this place was invaded, it was a while ago when uh, 
back in the days of William Wallace and all that. The, so the back I, in the days when Wales and Scotland had their own languages and was that a connection to the fact that you know a bit of Welsh? Can you teach us a bit of Welsh? Oh yeah, you was learning Welsh in, in lockdown, weren't you? I was, because and there was no pressure because no one was ever going to ask me to speak Welsh, so it was fine for me to learn because there was no expectation of me to well, now you do got, Welsh. Now you've got to do it. Go on. Um, Pub de ping. Isn't the word for microwave, isn't the is word it? Microwave. So, so where did the, that thing about... I, I, think, I think it is colloquially, but, like, if you take it back because there's no word for microwave, it's not... Yeah. You know, people just, like, that's the word for microwave. Mind um, you, I see it on TikTok. It's a girl on TikTok does uh, how to speak badlies. Right. And all the pronunciations in in the way they do in the ballads, right? I can't so do you want to give us some of that? I can't, okay. I can't remember any of them. I mean, but... we were talking to one of our guests yesterday, uh, the amazing uh, sisters from the Five Diamonds Mentorship yeah. Program that will be showcasing on the podcast in a few weeks. That was interesting. Um, well, look, I I I really like the stuff they do. And yeah. we've had we've had guests on the on in the past who have done really well, and, and uh, the one that springs to mind is Emmanuel Escuro, yeah. um, who said, "Look, you know, I've been lucky enough to you know build a career, have a really decent life because of you know being encouraged and inspired and stuff like that." Um, Emmanuel's the financial planner who does a lot of media stuff to support people um understand that the opportunities out there to, for them to live the lives they want so really like what Emmanuel was doing but but the guys at uh, the the sisters at five diamonds are all about helping people work out how to get in actually quite challenging careers yeah. through practical experience and i think part of it russ i don't know if you've got this imp- impression was like make it less intimidating because yeah. if you're from an environment which is like a, a, a sort of where there's not a lot of aspiration and you want to be a lawyer, how do you add the jump seems talking, too big sometimes, doesn't it? I was it? only talking to someone about this the other day and how, how things have changed now from uh, my nurse that comes out fortnightly, she learned on the job. Whereas to do her job now, you need a degree, not learning on the job. And yeah. sometimes that practical experience, I've, I've, had, I've had both kinds of nurse. I've had one that's university qualified, and I find the ones that have been, been trained in the job have a better bedside manner than the ones from you. Yeah, yeah I, interesting. I interesting. The thing is with the practical experience is that, like, there are probably courses out there that teach you by practical experience, but, like, for a lot of the higher level, like, harder entry careers, yeah. teachers and edu- career advice people will turn around and go, they're not going to look highly upon you if you do a practical course you need to do the exam stuff uh, i had that I, I i my i mean the challenge you've got is my practical experience in all sorts of fields and talk to all sorts of people is the opposite is true yeah but, i know, um, I know but, 
the thing is they look highly more highly upon people who have done like written qualifications I've, yeah i mean at I, stuff like university level which is where you need to go to get the qualifications for certain jobs uh, yeah so, i mean I, I i think you're right but you not, think about where that what they're doing. there's a lot of so uh, that sort of thing aimed at university students moving up, but not in the age range that they're offering it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think you're absolutely right in some of their the professions where they provide mentorship, right? So medicine and law, you you because of the formal nature of the way it works, yeah. you need a you need to go to uni. You know, you yeah, need to totally go to uni. Right. However, apart from medicine and law, you know, potentially, poli I don't know. I mean, you can be a politician without any qualifications, can't you? As long as you get voted in, that's... Yeah, but but apart from medicine and law, the barriers, like accountancy, yeah. you know, you can you can do an accountancy apprenticeship, start as a bookkeeper at an accountancy firm, and then move up from the, there. Look at the night school accountancy. It's not... Yeah. To to, I mean, to get good, you need to do like financial planning. To get really good, you need to uh, well, get that some really. Comes, that all comes with experience, doesn't it? That's not. But, the, but, but and and the professional qualifications, but not the purely academic ones. You can do them on the job. Doctor, and, you come out of university, you're not a master doctor, are you? You just no. know how to do the job with experience. Comes that. No. For for things that aren't like purely physical, they will always encourage that you like, and you go and do the exam subject. And you go and, like forever. They will always encourage. Depends that. on the employer. Depends on the employer. And I think I think the reality is that the world is changing so fast yeah. at the minute. Understanding the tools that are going to reply, and and this is the, this is the problem with any, and I'm not decrying academia by the way. I think academia is really important. I like academia. I, th I, th I know you like academia because it's comfortable. I think part of the challenge you've got is the world is changing so fast that being comfortable isn't always the right route to take. Does that make sense? Yeah. So so being comfortable because it's a clear path, actually, AI will be changing fundamentally, and it might not be AI, we just don't know yet, but there are sort of trends that mean that we need to not only be good at what we are, yeah, what we want to do as a profession, but we also... Be trend. Sorry? Forever there's been trends. 100%, and forever there's been change, you know. Yeah. People were comfortable were comfortable with the way they printed books, and then yeah, and then the right. printing press came along, and suddenly it was like there were thousands of people out of the job. Johannes Gutenberg, yeah, great guy, yeah. <laughs> great guy, good guy. Gutenberg, did you know Gutenberg, Russ? Oh no, he was uh, a good, he was a good guy. You think century? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but the but this is part of the the challenge I think that um, this is part of the challenge with um, academia is because it is such a big institution it changes a lot more slowly yeah. than um, than than the world is changing and 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 therefore 
I think you need a probably combination of knowledge and skills yeah. from academia. Yeah, I, I agree. But you need to appreciate that. Yeah, I, like AI tools, right? As we're looking at all of that at the minute. Aren't I we? think what they should be teaching now is STEM. It's all about yeah. now. It's not about it's not about the like the manual jobs. It's all about technology now. And now part no, no, they push them they, I mean, incredibly hard nowadays. Yeah. So, what do you think? I yeah, I definitely think there should be some more practical stuff included, and like some of the stuff they teach from like. 11 to 16 sort of before you sort of have uh, too much of a choice is really I'm not going to say pointless but it's less about when they're teaching you from those ages it's less about working stuff out and less about forming your own opinions and it's more like here's all the stuff we need you to know for the exam yeah, they, yeah, that's, yeah. that's why I, I prefer being at uni than I did doing GCSEs or even some of my A-levels because what they do is they don't teach you the good stuff. and You know what I mean? They don't teach you, like, the interest in, like, the stuff that's actually practical. They teach you to the exam. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's the only way they get funded, unfortunately, yeah. is if they teach to the exam. Um, but I don't think that's practical or useful. I think they should be teaching kids to think for themselves instead of just being like, this yeah, is what you need so. to know for the exam. yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. Well, they don't do that. They just be like, here's what you need to know. You learn this down and don't deviate. And yeah, I, that's why I like being at uni because they will hand you information and go and turn to you and ask, what do you think? Well, I mean, in, in a way, I mean, this is the interesting thing. And again, we're not experts on this. It's just as having a conversation about sort of... Um, ideas, and if you listener has got have got a um, alternative opinion, or you'd like to share how you feel, question of the podcast is: if you had a magic wand and you could change your education system, how would you change it? But um, I I think the oh, the castle is Tintagel, by the way, um, and it's set on a cliff in Cornwall. Russ, it's yeah. amazing, really good. You can get a jeep to take you down. It's great. But, oh, yeah, you can get a jeep. It's a bit of a walk down the hill, but because you're getting physical at the minute, you'll be ready for it by the time you yeah. Um Right, so education system. I I think the earlier you can get people to have a degree of agency mm. um, and say, look, solve this problem whatever way you want, um, you've got, here's the tools, here's what you can do. Yeah, I think right. I would have done a lot better at school if that was the way it was taught. I, I, let me give you let me give you an example, like a real example from uh, Sophie, uh, who's, who, for the listeners of the podcast, will know is my younger daughter, who's 11. They had Enterprise Week, right? Yeah. Which I think is an amazing idea, Enterprise yeah. Week. Um, and they said, oh, it's Enterprise Week. We're going to um, let you set up a stall and sell the stuff. Yeah, Jay, um, that's the same thing. Yeah. And what we're going to do is we're going to let you do this stall. We're going to um, give you a fiver. Um, and uh, whatever you make, um, we take back. I was like, what? Well, that ain't fair, is it? Well, hold on, hold on. 
School, you can have your fibre back, but surely if we're teaching kids to be enterprising... They should earn the rewards of their... Now, the reality, Russ... Why didn't they just ask the parent for the fibre and then the child makes whatever home in the child? Well, exactly. The the reality is that we spent money on like buying stuff for the stall and and every like there was three of them on the stall and they did a really good job by the way. They did like marketing and like all this stuff. But I think the interesting thing is what are you teaching them if the school gets the money back? Yeah, you're not teaching them anything. The school doesn't need the extra money. I can understand the initial work. I can understand. Oh, the <laughs> no, that's not. What are you teaching them? Just teaching them that, like, I think it's the wrong thing they're teaching them that, like, they're putting in the work and they're getting nothing out of it. I can understand. And let's and let's be fair. And 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 we talk about this quite a lot. It's not only about the money. You know, I think getting the right balance in life between money, happiness, well-being. Um, uh, time spent with the people you love, um, even Russ, because um, well, I love Russ. Well, we love Russ. I love Russ. I'm yeah. putting in the time and getting a reward for that, even whether it be money or or whatever kind of reward. You see, Harry, um, he not... quickly skirted over the fact that we love you, Russ. Hey, hey, Russ, we love you. Love, Russ. I love you both, too. Oh, yes. yes. Result. Oh, you uh, yeah, you're not here now. You're, you're, you're right. You're right. It's getting a bit dusty in it, Ross. Um, right. On that note, should we move on? We we've definitely not come up with a solution to the education challenge or the right balance between um, uh, uh, whether kids should um, kids should be voting uh, uh, like academic or. Or piracy, or neural, wherever it was. Diversion. We never come up with solutions. We just spitball, don't we? We just talk absolute nonsense. We're known for that. Um, but today, I want to showcase a little bit about um, a stranger's act of kindness for a mum of two who asks Aldi cashier to stop scanning in... What was that? Um, an Aldi yeah. customer was actually you can do this one. Well. Okay, our internet connection is unstable. An Aldi well, customer, our internet connection is unstable at the minute. <laughs> an Aldi customer was probed for her kindness after helping a struggling mother pay for her, for her slow down. I'm so sorry. An Aldi customer was praised for her kindness after helping a struggling mother pay for her weekly groceries at the checkout. When the woman saw Francesca J ask Cashier to stop scanning when the bill reached to £50, she stepped in and offered to pay for the ice lollies left at the till. The generous woman, a stranger to Francesca, saw Francesca's son William, then four, become upset when the frozen treats were left behind with vegetables and bread. And as Manchester Evening News reports, the kind stranger eventually decided to pay for all of the groceries left on the conveyor belt at the Stockport supermarket. I went in knowing I only had £50 to shop, Francesca, who also had a young daughter, said. I did my shopping, not thinking it would come anywhere near £50, as it never usually does. But as it got nearer at the till, I asked the man serving to stop scanning at £50. I said, I'm sorry, and I can't have these those, so please stop the shop there, to which he did. My son was behind me and must have heard me say, put the ice to lose back. The lady next to me on the 
next hill came over and said she had seen my son's face drop and would like to pay for them. I thanked her and so did my son, but she then saw the other bits of shopping and paid for those too. Myself and the manservant kept saying, are you sure? And she said that she had been in this situation before and was more than happy to pay for it. I think it came up to about £6. This means the world to me because I have always tried to be nice and kind and have paid for people's stuff before quite a few times. Francesca said she had been struggling recently, which made the act all the more kind. I am not financially well off at all. Far from it now, actually. But I've really tried to be kind all the time and almost lost faith in humanity because I always seem to get shot down. For someone to help in small ways makes you feel so, so elated. She didn't have to do that, but I could tell it was just genuine, gener genuine ge generosity. One of the items the mystery lady paid for was a six-pack of fizzy drinks, which fin Francesca only put in her trolley after seeing a young man outside who asked her for any spare change. As she had no cash on her, instead she offered to buy him a drink, but hadn't realised the cost of her shopping had risen, meaning she wouldn't be able to afford the usual shop. I gave the lad outside his drinks, and he was really shocked I'd gotten him a six-pack. I told him he wouldn't have had them if it wasn't for the lady getting the rest of my shopping. We looked to her, but she drove off. I absolutely love that. That is somebody who, yeah, I, I think sometimes uh, we can underestimate the fact that there's a lot of people struggling out there. And with, with the cost of living going up significantly at the minute, we all need to do what we can to, to, to help out. And the fact that the woman who had very little herself was trying to help somebody else. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it's really... And, like, you look at that and you go... She knew she only had 50 quid and she said she'd help him anyway. Yeah. And you also look at how little it costs to help those two people. Like, six pounds was yeah. all that woman put in. Yeah. That was enough to help those two people. I'm not saying that's all she put in. I'm like, you know, there, that's all it took for, for those people to... But there are people them. out there, Charlotte, who are trying to feed them. Is on fifty quid. I'm you know, just, it's, just, yeah. it's just. So I think if we can use that opportunity to just like find ways that we like tiny things that can help others, I think it's so important. Mm. So well done, that lady. I love that. Somebody who's doing some big things that we talked about. I'm, I'm getting quite good at these connections. I'm quite, I'm quite enjoying getting the transitions in. Um, some, somebody who's doing some big things there, loads of other people, is Paul Hutchins from Refugee Support Europe. Um, and in the second part of the interview today, we, um, we share a, a bit more about the amazing work he does and uh, his brilliant projects. And and this this was the interesting thing because so I know that the event that I, that, that, that I was lucky enough to go to, you told that story, and my, in my head, that element of human dignity that that choice gives, as opposed to just a bag of stuff, that human dignity, and I think you shared a story about somebody really, really getting a lot from the experience of choice around around that so so how important is that when you're thinking about doing this sort of stuff you know respecting somebody's dignity and making sure that it doesn't feel like a, a, a degrading experience to receive how, how do you how do you model that when you're thinking about uh what what you do for people i mean 
it's something it's something that we stumbled on. I think like a lot of people, when you when you see people need help, you think, oh, what stuff can I give them? Yeah. But actually, what you need to think about is is how can I give this stuff to people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, uh, you know, uh, I often, I mean, we spend a lot of money on food and hygiene items because we give it away for free. And in Moldova, it's something like, um, you know, £25,000 a month goes out. But actually, the food and hygiene items that we give people, they're a vehicle for offering something else. Now, the people come to us because they know they're going to get free food and hygiene items. They come to us, but what they do, what what they do get is they get a warm welcome. And and for people who are new to the centre, you can see this. It's a transformative experience, and it's not because they're getting free things. And you can see people. Now, imagine that you are someone who has been running a business. You've had your own home. You're a you know you know a head of a household. You know you have a history. You have your life, which has all been torn away from you, and now you're very dependent on people to help you. So you arrive and you think, how am I going to get treated in this place? You're anxious, you're stressed, you're feeling, uh, um, uh, you know, like you might, it might be degrading because you're there kind of like expecting charity. And what we want to do is say people, no, welcome. You have a choice here. And here's an experience which is just a bit like normal life. So whatever chaos is going on outside that house, outside that door, here, everything is calm. You've got smiley volunteers who want to help. We've got a beautifully laid out market, which just looks like a normal thing. Choose what you want. And if you just want to take snacks, just take snacks. If you just want to take bulk up, it's only got stuff that people want. Yeah, and then yeah. and then and 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 you see them leaving and they're they're grateful. And we don't do it for the great the, the gratitude. In fact, if people complain, fantastic. I love it when people complain because it feels like at least that their spirit isn't broken. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and and, and, and you see people looking at labels chatting to each other what should we get how should we spend our money and it's and, normal stuff right it's normal stuff yeah, yeah. Normal, that's and that's the issue for refugee people people who are refugees it's, it's really difficult with the language around this but let's say people who are people on the move who who who, who all that normality has gone yeah. All those hopes, dreams, futures, is all all the cards have been thrown on the table. They don't really know what's going to be like. But at least here, it's back to a bit of normality. And, yeah. and that yeah. is where the food and hygiene items are so important. Yeah. And I suppose there's that element of being in a place where they feel welcomed and respected as well. That that's an important important part um i suppose i suppose we've sort of um one of the big things that i was wondering about is for you as an organization how to make those decisions so so as you said there's you know millions of of of, of migrants in the world there, there there's a number of places you could choose to help and i know you're doing some work in turkey at the minute but i'm interested in finding a, a little bit more about but how do you make the choice and how do you decide what impact you're going to have when you're thinking about um, uh, what to do? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, there are so many. So there are so many places where there are refugees, you can almost put your pin in a map and and go somewhere. And so, um, you, you know, we're, we're in Cyprus at the moment and we've been in Cyprus for four years. Um, we, we went there because someone said, 
there's a problem and we knew somebody and we asked some people and they said please come and help so partly it's about the you know like contacts and opportunities where you just think okay we've got we've got a way in here yeah you've got you've got you've got a way to support that's not going to put up too many barriers right that's right, and then and so with a, with a kind of contact, with a sort of invitation to come in for, from someone in the UN or someone who's working in the sector in some way, you, you, you know, you know, oh, okay, that's going to lay the ground, and then we can see if we can help. So that that's part of it. I mean, part we're a volunteer organisation, so one of our policies is never to go anywhere, which is um, which the uh, Foreign Office says is a no go zone. Yeah. So we're in Moldova at the moment, actually Transnistria, some, some people know, is like a strip of Moldova, which is Russian controlled and, um, it, and and autonomous. That's that's a place that the Foreign Office says not to go to. So and so, yeah. so, so, it's, so is Ukraine. So we will never work in Ukraine. We'll never work in Transnistria until that changes. Uh, I, you know, we're Refugee Support Europe. I think we want to be in Europe. We have worked in Bangladesh. And the reason we went there is because, you know, a million Rohingya crossed over to Bangladesh from Burma in about a month. And it was huge. We just thought, let's let's just go and 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 do something. We went to Mexico for a month because there was a lot of rhetoric coming out from the Trump government at the time about, you know, dehumanizing this, the, you know, this group of people. We just wanted to show a bit of solidarity. So we went for a month and and and, and helped in Tijuana in each in each occasion you know there's been this sort of will to help there's been someone who said yes here's here's someone uh, uh, you know I'm, I'm i know someone i know something about the area that i can sort of give you a, a way in for and then when you arrive there's people that you that, that, you know again being a part of a community of helpers having this history of being a helper you just gravitate towards each other yeah. and then these people yeah, yeah. say and um, you know it, we went to turkey but without a clue it was paula and i um who, who's our main coordinator paula and i just went by ourselves with two contacts we with one person in gaziantep who's a syrian refugee and we had one person in antakya it's a completely destroyed city um and they said yes we'll, we'll chat we spoke to them chat to somebody else and it just rolls from there and those people yeah bent over backwards to help us and they introduced us to people who also bent over backwards and and i suppose there's an element as you say as you say there's people helping that that find a way to work together does that also include other ngo organizations because i'd imagine there's an element of collaboration there right or, or, or help me understand a bit about that yeah there is very much um, a spirit of collaboration um I think that, that you know when you're talking about inter-organisational um, relationships, there there can be conflicts. You know, people do talk about it, we, we want to do it this way, you can't do that. We need to coordinate. So you you there that you can have those kinds of bundles, but in in almost every situation there are coordination meetings. No one wants to duplicate effort. Yeah, Everyone yeah. wants to do the best they can. Everyone's looking after the resources that they've got. So there's always you know even though there might be disagreements and there yeah, are the, keep the lines of a com- communication open and make sure it's you're just doing your best yeah, yeah um i want to i want to use our platform paul as a as a way to share some of those human stories um because i think that's really important when we're thinking about this subject um and i think the stories are, are, are an amazing way to share the work you do so 
and it might be difficult to just have one. So if you've got a couple, I'm, 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 we've got the time, so I'm, I'm happy with that. But what story do you think best describes the work you do? I mean, it, it, it is really tricky. I mean, I think that um, one of the best things I think for me, from a from a volunteer point of view, is is the younger people. So we get quite, you know, we we've had um, um, people from actually 15 who've come with parents, but you know, we, we ask for people from 18 to 79, so all over, 40 different countries um, from all kinds of backgrounds. But the young people I find particularly inspiring. And you know, we've had two or three um, young people that I know of, and there will be more, who've come and helped for two or three weeks. And as a result of that, they then changed kind of what they want to do in the future. In the future, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they've, they've changed um, their university course they've changed what they're going to do as a postgraduate course they've started looking for different sorts of jobs than the one that they're doing and and that is fantastic I just think you know that they've had such a, a kind of transformative experience that then then decided to change their life choices yes, about yeah. what they want to do in the future I, I, I do think it's interesting though because it's like sort of so my daughter's now 19 uh, Charlotte who hopes the podcast with me and there is a, there is an element of that you know i speak to her and her friends studying up in glasgow at the minute but i speak to her and her friends and there there does seem to be that element of like wanting to give back and finding purpose early in their careers um which sort of i, I don't know i'm mid-40s our generation, I personally didn't have. Um, but do you think there's a generational shift in terms of looking at doing good? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, what I do know is that um, I'm very optimistic about the impact that we can have as individuals. I'm very pessimistic about the way that I see the world going. Right. And but but what but what young people do for me is is Inspire. give me some give me some optimism and hope because they're wonderful. You know, they come, they're hardworking, they really care, they're super smart. And I just think, you know, with people like that, and we've had some people, you know, like you know, we 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 have people come for sort of two to four weeks. They need to be um we need to have a coordinator who can manage those. So we've got coordinators at the moment um but you know i've had some that are very young you know like early 20s and they're managing groups of volunteers yeah, all yeah. over the world all speaking different languages all had different backgrounds all different ages and those people are amazing 20 you know in their early 20s able to sort of grapple with this really complex machine lots of competing demands and get stuff done i mean that that's that's amazing to me i mean i think that those are younger people. I mean, you know, Paula, who I mentioned earlier, who is our uh, main, uh, you know, basically I run the organisation with Paula. Um, she's sort of in the field or she's in Moldova at the moment. She's always out there. You know, she's Spanish and she was working in auditing. And about three, four years ago, she just gave everything up to come and help. And that, that you, you know, and to see to see someone like that go from that kind of background to just doing the kind of work that she does, you know, helping, tireless, inspirational. Yeah. You know, I just think it's fantastic. 
it's incredible. I love it. Um, and, and, and talking of volunteers, if somebody's inspired to volunteer, and I know, you know, we, we've interviewed people in the podcast, the two guys who, 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 who worked with you on Ukraine Rock, uh, Ukraine Rock, so I know, uh, have, have come and uh, come volunteer, David and Phil. Um, uh, what if somebody's listening to this and is inspired to give, inspired to give some of their time, how do they start? Yeah, we've got a really simple process. I mean, we say to people that, you know, all you really need is the ability to smile and to um, work as part of a team. And because all, all we're essentially doing is running a market, you know, and everyone yeah. knows how a shop works. We've got like these wonderful coordinators who can uh, make sure that, you know, everyone's safe, everyone's doing what they need to do. Um, it's a five day a week job. Um, so we ask for people to come for sort of between two to four weeks. Uh, and on the website, refugeesupporteu.com, there's a volunteer with us. We've got lots of information about volunteering. Um, but, you know, it's a simple form. Um, we then um, have a video chat with one of the kind of recruitment team just so that people, everyone understands what the job involves. Mm. And then, you know, if there's a vacancy and we have a kind of a limit on the number of people that we have so that people sure. aren't standing around, yeah. um, you know, wasting their time, that everyone's always kind of fully occupied. If there's a vacancy, we book you in, you come out, you do your two, four, two three weeks or four weeks, and and then right. thank you very much. And how does that look in terms of numbers? Is that how many volunteers have you got? Have you got a waiting list? How, how, how's it working at the minute? Summer's normally pretty good. Um, people have got holiday time. Um, we need people in, Mold in Moldova right now, <laughs> so it's a bit <laughs> short there. Um, Cyprus, um, so it's about six people in each country that we need. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and so what we're looking for is you know is is about is about um, twelve people a month in each country. Okay, okay, that's great. That, that's good to know. And I know we're, what and what I suppose, I suppose what I'm curious about is, is is your big challenges at the minute. So what are the the challenges for your organisations in terms of in in terms of what you're looking to to achieve? And if any of our audience can help with, is it time to volunteer is it money or is it something else yeah but i mean it's always it's always kind of money volunteering and awareness and i think so the volunteering you know we've had like 1500 plus and so there's a lot of people and a lot of people do come back about a quarter now come back and volunteer more than once yeah. Yeah. so you know that that is a really kind of great way of of understanding exactly what we do seeing everything the nuts and bolts of the activity were very transparent for those people who can see you know where the money goes and and the, and the impact that it has on the people that we're serving and people will yeah. spend time with like-minded people it's you know that that's a brilliant introduction to the organization if people can't volunteer and it is a big commitment you know money um the the, the machine you know it takes a lot of money to keep ticking over and like yeah. i say free free food and hygiene um the, the rock for ukraine was a fantastic boost to keep us going in moldova i mean really superb effort from that financial planning community and the organizers so that that you know donations of whatever size and isn't that you know we've got plenty of ways to do that online um are, are really helpful and then like as an organization, you know, what we want to try and do is grow and expand. So we're in we're in two centers at the moment. I would like to set one up in the UK 
given the kind of situation that there is here and how difficult it is for people claiming asylum. Um, and we are planning to go to the Canaries as well, which uh, you know a lot of people don't know, but it's actually the, one of the main routes for people fleeing Africa into Europe. Basically, they get into okay. the coast of West Africa and they hope that the trade winds will take them to the Canary Islands. It's an incredibly perilous journey. Yeah. Uh, but then they get there in the Canaries. Um, life is really tough for them. And, you know, they, a lot of them are stuck there. So we're going to yeah. see. What, so that would give us four centers and then the ability to respond to emergencies. And you, like we were in Turkey for five weeks, you know, the terrible situation. But just to go and do something, just to say, like, you know, you're not alone. Here's something that will help. help. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love that. Thank you for joining us today, and I'm sure that some of our audience is going to be inspired to get in touch, I hope. Um, uh, where I've, You've mentioned the Med uh, website once, but what I'd like you to do is share the website again and let us know where we can follow you on social media. I always I, I follow you on Twitter now. I think your Twitter is amazingly inspiring as well. So share where people can connect with you, connect with the organisation and where they can find you. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, well, thank you for having me on as well. And I mean, I think the kindness project is really kind of sums up um, kind of what we're about as well, which is just just showing a bit of kind. It's not about the stuff that you give, it's how you give it. And yeah. being kind yeah. is absolutely fundamental to that. Why, you know, the idea that we can all practice a bit more kindness to people wherever they're from and whatever their story, it just is is very inspiring. It, it, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I, I think the interesting thing for me, Paul, is you know and i'm having loads of conversations like this at the minute it's using technology for good right you know this goes out to you know tens of thousands of people every month people listen to it hopefully they get inspired to do amazing things and we love that i think you're right i think what technology has um has done if we let it as humans because that's a big thing is remove empathy nuance and subtlety and we need as humans to bring that back mm. in some of the conversations we have um and 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 yeah i mean you're doing amazing I mean, all, all i'm doing is jumping on my laptop and speaking to amazing people like you that's you know and and certainly certainly just trying to help where we can but but um, thank you for the work you're doing because I absolutely love it. So if people do need to get in touch, where can they do that? Thanks, Chris. Yeah, so we're all over the social media. Refugee Support Europe um, is on Facebook. Um, we're on Instagram. You'll find us on Twitter. The website is refugeesupporteu.com. Send us a message on that um, or on any of the social media channels. We'll always get back to you. Fab. Amazing stuff. Thank you for being a guest on the Kindness Project, Paul. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So that was part two of the interview. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Tis the end of another podcast. Well, you never do tis the end, do you? Do you want to, do you want to give it a go? Give it a go. No, no, no. Tis the end of another podcast. Thank God. I thought you enjoyed the podcast, Russ. I thought you loved it. Russ, we love you. I know. We love you. I know. You know. I wish you'd stop. That is the worst reaction to we love you. Like, if somebody said, I love you, and I turned around and said, I know, that would be deeply unkind, wouldn't it? Well, it depends on who's saying it to you. Some random stranger 
walks up to you in the street and says, I love you. Then is, is that what? I bet oh, no, Russ, carry on talking. Carry on talking. Charlotte's looking up knock-knock jokes. This is going to be bad. Just let's, let's pretend joke of the week doesn't exist. Here's the end of the... Here's the end of another podcast. The end is yeah, not the sure end, but just the beginning of something new. Yes, and, and that you. is and that is our saying goodbye. Have a lovely week. No, no, I'm I'm on the joke. I told you she's looking up not not jokes. Yeah, no, we no, do no, not I, need that in our lives. I, I remember the eighties where you had your little book and not not. Thank you, Russ. Go on then. It's not a not not joke. You're oh, wrong. Oh, go on. Then. I was looking at not not jokes, but they were all unsatisfactory. Yeah, not good enough. This one better be good then. Go on. What do dentists call their X-rays? What do dentists call their X-rays? Don't know. Toothpicks. Oh yeah. <laughs> that that's true. Toothpicks. Pictures of teeth. <laughs> It's bad when you have to explain it. Last week, Russ, you had a little um, twitch because the joke was so bad. Yeah. I think that's... My all... favourite part of doing Joke of the Week is me and Russ ganging up on you trying to get you uh, to laugh. I think that twitch is infectious because it feels like I'm getting it now. <laughs> Toothpicks. I like that. I like no, that. Don't, no, 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 we don't need more. We don't need more. We don't need more. <laughs> on that note, have a lovely week, listeners, um, and we'll see you in some of the clients' projects. Bye. Bye.